blessing of life. Thank you that you have blessed us, and now we are able to be a blessing to other people. We're so thankful that Jesus is better than anything this world has to offer, and that he has a better kingdom for us to which each and every person in this room can be a part And I pray today as we think about that better kingdom that we would be reminded of how Jesus is indeed better. And it's in his great, holy, matchless name that we pray. Amen and amen. Take your seat and as you do, find your Bible in the book of Esther. We're going to be in Esther chapter 1. We started a series last week called Jesus is Better and uh, we are going to go through this book of Esther and we have quite a ways to go and and we're going to see at each and every turn how Jesus is better. Even though this is an Old Testament book, we we see images and foreshadows of Jesus and, and we see things that point us to Jesus, and really what we're going to see is how everything in the book of Esther, whether it's good or whether it's bad, that Jesus is better. If you read anything that is good in this book, Jesus is better. If you read of someone who's powerful in this book, Jesus is more powerful. If you read anything that's great in this book, Jesus is greater. And the focus of Esther chapter 1 is on the king who reigned during this time. His name was Ahasuerus. That's his Persian name. But Ahasuerus, I get a little tongue-tied, so I like to call him by his Greek name, which is King Xerxes. And, and Xerxes loved his throne. And his throne symbolized his kingdom. And from that throne and from that kingdom, he would issue orders as he ruled over multiple people groups, multiple nations, and multiple cultures. His his nation, his kingdom was vast, and people came to meet him, and when they meet him, they would pass before his throne, which was symbolic of his kingdom. So Esther 1 helps us understand a little bit about this man, and the image we have is that he is a mighty king who is sitting upon his throne, ruling over a mighty kingdom. Now, last week we saw how that as great a king as he was, uh, as far as the world would say, that Jesus is a better king. And today we kind of still are building on that concept, but we now focus on the kingdom over which he ruled. And, And I'm going to use three statements this morning that explain his kingdom from the text. And, and then I want to show you how, how Jesus has a better kingdom than the kingdom that Xerxes had built. Let's just jump right in so you can get to, uh, to uh, wherever you're going to take your mom to lunch today and, or, or maybe dinner by the time we get done, okay? Three statements I want to make briefly about his kingdom and, and try to tie this all together. First, his was a kingdom in which sin was encouraged. Okay, the kingdom of Xerxes was a kingdom in which sin was encouraged. 
In fact, in his kingdom, addictions were fed by this king and his kingdom. Look with me in Esther chapter 1, and the first part of verse 10 says, On the seventh day, when the heart of the king was merry with wine. I would ask if you know what that feels like, but that's a totally different sermon that we'll have for a different time. But you see how it says, his heart was merry with wine. Erxes was seated upon his throne, and over the course, remember last week we said, over the course of six months, he's had this enormous, lavish, extravagant party. The women, if you remember, the women who were at this event, they met separately with the queen Vashti, and we're going to see how uh, Vashti stood up to the king momentarily. But that six-month party ends with even a larger party for one week where all the guests were invited, all us peasants and peons, us regular folk, we would have been invited for an entire week to stay there. Remember last week, the only rule to their drinking was that there were no rules. They were to bring out the best wine, the best drink for the entire time, and even the heart of the king was merry with wine. Not only were the guests over consuming, but the king himself. And what you see happen in the text is a bunch of men who were over consuming, who are addicted to something, who are being encouraged to take part in sin. And the result is they start to make some very bad decisions. See, Xerxes and his kingship and his kingdom are symbolic and representative of the world in which we live. This is still how the world works. The world works in such a way that it doesn't make you do the things that you hate. The world helps you do the things that you or your flesh loves to do and things that are bad and wrong and addicting and enslaving. All you moms here on Mother's Day, I bet not a single one of you had to teach your little children how to sin, did you? I mean, we, we all know how to do it, and we all do it well because that's the way that the world works. The way that the world works is symbolic of the way that Satan still works. Satan still works this way. Listen, Satan will give you whatever you want as long as he gets to be your king and as long as you serve his kingdom. He'll give you whatever you want. Sin will be encouraged. Xerxes is acting like Satan. He's giving people what their flesh wants, not what their spirit needs. So his was a kingdom where sin was encouraged, but secondly, his was a kingdom in which self was exalted. So sin is being encouraged, but self is being exalted. As we think about uh, moms and, and on Mother's Day, and many of us uh, maybe had some, some great moms, and, and one of the marks of motherhood is that there is selflessness. That is not a mark of King Xerxes. Look at how verse 10 continues. It says that he commanded Mahuman, Bitsa, Harbona, Bictha, I wouldn't like to have that name at all, Abagatha, Zathar, and Carcass, the seven eunuchs 
who served in the presence of King Ahasuerus. You've got seven guys, seven eunuchs. A eunuch is a guy who used to have a good life and joy and hope, but not anymore. Okay, there, there's no way that he can have a family. There's no way that he can have hope. There's no way that he can have uh, joy that his family name is, is to continue. Now, let me show you how, let me explain to you how this shows us the, the selfish heart of King Xerxes. In an effort to show how great his kingdom was, in an effort to show how grand a king he was, Xerxes had multiple wives. He had a, a a harem that was filled with concubines and other women. He would see a young man, or a young woman rather, and decide that she was beautiful and pretty, and he wanted her in his harem. He would bring her into his harem. Sometimes the women were chosen for purely political reasons. That means that he would want to expand his kingdom, and so he would go to, uh, history tells us, he would go find a king of a nation nearby that smaller than his, he would marry one of those king's daughters with the understanding he would give dad a place of prominent rule in this new kingdom. This is how he expanded his kingdom. Xerxes would see many of these women only once. So to make sure that these women would belong to him, to make sure that they would not fall in love, to make sure that they would not want to marry someone else and have children with someone else, the only men who were allowed to serve in the presence of the harem and the concubines were the men who could not have children. What a selfish act. See, you know that Satan is at work when people do whatever they want, when children are not considered a blessing, and where marriage and children are discouraged. This book may have been written a long time ago, but it fits right here today. You know that Satan is at work when those things are opposed. This is Xerxes exalting himself, believing himself to be the most important person on the face of the earth. He had this kingdom where sin was encouraged. He had this kingdom where self was exalted. But he also had this kingdom where service was extinct. His kingdom was a kingdom in which service was extinct. Xerxes is married to Vashti. Of all the people that Xerxes should have cared about and lovingly served, it was his wife. It should have been Queen Vashti. Yet he didn't serve her. He mistreated her. The king is on his throne, ruling his kingdom, he makes this request in verse 11 to bring Queen Vashti before the king with her royal crown in order to show the people and the princes her beauty, for she was lovely to look at. Catch this. Some scholars say that when he made that request to bring Queen Vashti with her royal crown, it was a request to bring her out with only her royal crown. She obviously was a, a nice-looking lady, and 
and the king wanted to show her off as she was lovely to look at. He picked her because she was beautiful, and he decides it's time to show her off. What a form of, of mistreatment to have her ogled by a bunch of drunk guys like she's a, a piece of meat. So House Vashti, I don't know if it's Mother's Day when this took place, but it'd been quite funny if it was. So how does Vashti respond? Verse 12, but Queen Vashti refused to come at the king's command, delivered by the eunuchs. At this, the king became enraged, and his anger burned within him. He's incensed. He's been humiliated. Vashti made a noble, courageous, brave, moral decision. She stood up to a guy who had never been stood up to before. No one had ever told him no. He thought that he was a, a God-man, and she makes a good, moral, right decision. So Xerxes decides to surround himself with some fellas. I call them the not-so-wise men. Look at what happens in verse 13. Then the king said to the wise men who knew the times, for this was the king's procedure toward all who were versed in law and judgment, the men next to him being Karshana, uh, Shethar, Admata, Tarshish. Where, can I just get a Joe or a Jim or a Larry? Uh, Marez, Marcena, and, and Mimucum. They tell us in seminary, you say it fast, say it quickly, no one knows the difference. <laughs> the seven princes of Persia and Media who saw the king's face and sat first in his kingdom. So these aren't the wisest men, but they're big players. They're his cabinet, okay? They sit on little thrones alongside him. Verse 15, according to the law, what is to be done to Queen Vashti because she has not performed the command of King Ahasuerus delivered by the eunuchs? Then Mimucan said in the presence of the king and the officials, not only against the king has Queen Vashti done wrong, but also against all the officials and all the peoples in all the provinces of King Ahasuerus. Vashti's behavior has now been tweeted and is trending, hashtag wife revolt. <laughs> so Xerxes is given counsel. This is a crisis. When she said no, all of a sudden, a lot of women realize that's not a bad word, and, and with the makings of an outbreak. So verse 17, they say, for the queen's behavior will be made known to all women, <coughs> causing them to look at their husbands with contempt, oh my, since they will say King Ahasuerus commanded Queen Vashti to be brought before him, and she did not come. This very day, the noble women of Persian media who have heard the queen's behavior will say the same to all the king's officials, and there will be contempt and wrath in plenty. Let me ask you, who was the one who was mistreated in this narrative. It's not King Xerxes, it is Queen Vashti who was being mistreated. But there's something that Xerxes never does, not once. He never repents. I'm going to ask you a question, and this question is meant to be answered. This is the audience participatory portion of our program, okay? The question is, and the answer is yes. Is Xerxes wrong in requesting that his wife be paraded in front of a bunch of drunk guys? Yeah. Absolutely. What should he have done? He should have apologized. 
Had he repented, it probably would have been over and a done deal. But instead, he remains unrepentant. As we read this story, we need to constantly ask ourselves, how am I like King Xerxes? How am I self-righteous? How am I stubborn? How do I want the world to rotate around me? Where am I trying to put my throne? What kingdom am I trying? to build? In what ways am I foolish? And where in my life am I unrepentant? I'm going to offer you biblical guidance this morning, and it's not popular, and it will bring me no preacher of the year award, but I'm not that worried about that. Here's the advice. Here is the biblical counsel. When we are wrong, we should repent. It doesn't matter if you're more powerful. You should repent. It doesn't matter if you're the husband. You've done wrong. You should repent. It doesn't matter if you're the parent. You've done wrong. You should repent. If you're in charge, it doesn't mean you're right. (laughs) Being like Jesus demands the demonstration of humility. Xerxes would have had a totally different kingdom had he been a humble king. But he's not a humble king. He's a proud king. So verse 19, oh, verse 19 is funny. If it please the king, let a royal order go out from him and let it be written among the laws of the Persians and the Medes that may, it may not be repealed. That Vashti is never again to come before King Ahasuerus. This is ironically funny. Vashti, the king wants to see you. I don't want to see him. The king's reply, she can never see me again. She got what she wanted. (laughs) Boom. I mean, exactly. (laughs) That guy's an idiot. He got me exactly what she wanted. She took a stand, and I think God is, even though she's not a follower of God, I believe God's honoring her stand. So let the king then give her royal position to another who is better than she. In other words, who will obey? Let's find another queen. So when the decree made by the king is proclaimed throughout all his kingdom, for it is vast, all women will give honor to their husbands, high and low alike. This dumb advice, I answered the word dumb, pleased the king and the princes, and the king did as Mimucan proposed. He sent letters to all the royal provinces, to every province in its own script, and to every people in its own language, that every man be master in his own household and speak according to the language of his people. Don't miss this. I promise we're going to land a plane in, in, in just a little bit. Xerxes writes a letter to tell people what to do to cover his sin of mistreatment of Vashti. Xerxes is trying to write a little book of the Bible to cover his own sin because that's just what false gods do. And he wants it to be sent to all the people in their native language, read and obeyed. This is not the word of God he's sending out. This is the word of a false god. This is the word of a horrible kingdom. 
For you see, above every king, above every president, above every dictator, above every ruler, there is another king who has another kingdom. And when he gives laws, he's the only one who can give laws that never change. His laws, too, are written down. And they are sent out. And they are translated. And they are to be obeyed. And we call that scripture the word of God. You see, what happens, it continually happens in a kingdom like the one Xerxes is the king of and in the kingdoms that we establish is that people don't want to repent so like Xerxes we like to rewrite the rules and reinterpret the rules that God has already given and I suggest to you that's one of the reasons our culture is in the mess that is in is that we're trying to reinterpret and rewrite what God has already said we are a culture full of Xerxes, it's the plural Xerxes, of Xerxes. And we are a culture that's full of his kingdoms. Xerxes was the greatest king in the world. He had the greatest kingdom at that time in the world. But every generation has chased the same foolish myth. If we could just get a good king, if we could just get a good kingdom, then we would have a heavenly life on a fallen earth. It doesn't matter if his name is Pharaoh. It doesn't matter if it's a duchess or or a duke. It doesn't matter if it's a president or a vice president. It doesn't matter if they have assumed the throne or if they're elected to the throne. Listen to me. When fallen, faulty, flawed sinners sit upon a throne, you never get a glorious kingdom. But I've got some good news for you this morning. There is another king. High and exalted. And he is ruling from a kingdom that we cannot see, but that we can already be a part of. He is seated on a throne. And in his kingdom, he does something that Xerxes never did. He got off his throne and came down into this confused, fallen world. He came not to take, but to give. He came not to enslave us, but to free us. You see, Xerxes sat upon his throne, feeding sin. Jesus got off his throne to forgive sin. Xerxes appealed to our sinful, depraved nature. Jesus wants to give us a brand new nature. The words of Xerxes are no longer read and obeyed. The words of King Jesus will be forever read and obeyed. Xerxes gave the people just what they wanted. Jesus gives people what they need. Xerxes banished people away from his kingdom and his presence. Jesus welcomes his people into his presence. Xerxes died and his people died. But my friend, Jesus rose from death and his people will rise one day to be with him forever. The kingdom of Xerxes has come to an end, but the kingdom of Jesus will forever stand. Jesus has a better kingdom. 
And the best news of all is that you can be a part of it. It's a kingdom that's not of this world because this world is not our home. It's a kingdom in which sinners are welcome and sins are forgiven. It's a kingdom where no one, there'll be no vastes who are told to leave. There'll only be sinners, Jonathan Russells, who are invited to come in. Why would you be a part of a kingdom that's going to pass away one day like this world? Why don't you be a part of a kingdom that's going to last for eternity? If you're here this morning and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, he is a king who offers to you today membership in his kingdom. And you don't have to pay a dime. He's already paid the price. You say, Pastor, that sounds too good to be true. There's a reason we don't sing mediocre grace, how sweet the sound. <laughs> we sing amazing grace. And how sweet a sound it is. And how sweet a kingdom it is. If you're not a part of it, you can leave here today a part of that kingdom. In just a second, I'll pray. And after I pray, we're going to stand and sing. And as I pray, if you're not a part of that kingdom and you'd like to be, it's very simple. You communicate with God. We call that prayer. And as best as you know how, you say to God, Lord, I admit and agree with what your word says that I'm a sinner. And I believe that you sent Jesus, this better king, to establish a better kingdom. And I believe that he died for my sins, that he was buried and rose again. And I believe that if I trust in him, that's all that's required to be a part of his kingdom. So, Lord, today I desire to be a part of that kingdom. It's simply asking Jesus to save you from this kingdom that's perishing and fading away to a kingdom that never will. Turning from your sin and running to a Savior. Maybe you've been a part of that kingdom for a year or two or 10 or 20 or 50. My question to you is, does your life reflect the values of that kingdom? When people observe your walk, can they tell that you're part of that kingdom? Because that's a kingdom that'll never pass away. Once you bow with me this morning, I'm going to pray. After I pray, we're going to stand. This altar is open for you. We're available for you to talk to anything that God's leading you to do. We want you to do that during this time of commitment. Father God, I thank you that Jesus has provided a better kingdom. That he has provided a way for us to be a part of that kingdom through his death. And so I pray right now if there's someone in this room 
that's never trusted you as their Lord and Savior, that today, even in this moment, as I pray, that they are crying out to you as best they know how, admitting their sin, believing in what Jesus has done, confessing you as their Lord and Savior. And Father, I pray for those of us who have made that decision in the past, that you would remind us that we are a part, not of the kingdom of this world, but the kingdom of God. That this world is not our home, but while we're here on this earth, you've called us to be salt and light. May we live in this world as members of your kingdom. Have your will and your way with us today. In Jesus' name.